Be the first to know about new Human Nature episodes by signing up for our newsletter. You'll hear about all our other news, too, like other podcasts we're making and the new hobby Aaron's picked up. Sign up at humannaturepodcast.org. From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Erin Jones. This time, we'll hear about a hiker who went from being fairly outdoorsy to climbing the tallest freestanding mountain in the world and the community that supported him along the way. When we got to our next camp, we noticed that we were above the clouds. You know, you feel like you were in a plane. But first, I want to tell you about another podcast you might enjoy. It's called Drilled. It takes a true crime approach to the story of climate change and why we haven't acted on it. Season one traces the creation of climate science denial from the oil industry's initial research in the 1970s to its denial campaigns beginning in the late 1980s. And it's all out war on global climate action in the 1990s. Season two follows West Coast crab fishermen as they discover this history and it inspires them to become the first industry to sue big oil. And season three, Out Now, traces the century-long history of big oil's big propaganda machine, the specific spin masters who created it, and why it's still so effective today. Check out Drilled wherever you get your podcasts. Tariq Moore always enjoyed nature. He used to play rugby and go for the occasional hike, so he was excited when he learned about an organization called Outdoor Afro. One day on my lunch break, I was just searching the web and an NPR article came up regarding Outdoor Afro. And I believe the title was Busting um, Myths About Black People in Outdoors. One of the things that, that black people don't you know, recreate in the outdoors or enjoy things such as hiking, camping, birding, backpacking, paddling, and things like that. Yeah, once I finished reading the article, I immediately went to the Outdoor Afro website and decided to apply to become a, one of the leaders. And luckily, I was chosen. With Outdoor Afro events, you try to incorporate some type of African American history. If you're going on a hike, you make sure there are no hazards on the trail, and you make sure that you know the hike isn't too strenuous. One of the things that we have to do with our events is we start out with an opening circle and then we get to introduce ourselves and ask people questions such as, you know, why they decided to come out today. I'm not just speaking to them, it's a more collaborative position where people give me feedback and I give other people feedback, so it's, it's great. In the beginning, you might see some like older kids come and like, oh, you know, I don't like the outdoors. And they're like, you know, frowning teenagers. And then at the end of the event or towards the end, they're like smiling and enjoying nature. And at the end of the closing circle, when they say that they had a great time, that's that's what brings me joy when people enjoy um, the outdoors with me. Tell me about when you first heard about the Mount Kilimanjaro trip. We found out about it during our leadership training. And once I saw that, I was like, you know what, I have to apply because this is going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity. What about it excited you? 
one thing, um, reaching the, the highest point on the highest freestanding mountain in the world, and also visiting the continent of Africa, which I haven't visited before, and doing it with my fellow outdoor Afro leaders and friends. And then Tariq found out he was chosen to be part of the team. Oh, I was very excited. And on the other hand, I was like, well, I have a, a lot of work to do to get in shape so <laughs> and prepare mentally and physically. So what I did was a lot of hikes um, with a weighted pack. I also did weight training and running and also um, rock climbing at my local rock gym. And then, months later... You know, after a long flight, I arrived in Tanzania. It was like pitch dark outside, so after going through the visa window, I was nervous, a little bit nervous, like, oh, what if the driver's not there? But he was there, and one of the things that stuck with me was that he said, um, welcome home. And once I arrived to our hotel, all my... um fellow leaders came out and gave me a hug and once I got in they had some food for me yeah we had to ship out the next morning so after I ate I checked into my room and one of the expert leaders she checked my pack and made sure that I didn't have any unnecessary things in there when we got up the next morning we had breakfast and then we packed the van to go to the gate once we got to the entrance to the gate, it was like amazing. Like you could tell how fertile the land was at the base of the mountain. You would see like a community there that depended on the water and the soil from the mountain. So as soon as we departed the van, we had to sign in at the ranger station. And then when we were sitting down, you could see the porters. You know, the porters would grab our gear and head up the mountain before us to set up camp. Then the ranger talked to us about the history of Mount Kilimanjaro and how we're ambassadors now to the mountain and how we should preserve the mountain and not take it for granted because the glacier at the top is melting rapidly and unfortunately it's not going to be here in a few years. So we had to go back and talk to our friends and family and our constituents about sustainability of the mountain and how the melting of the glacier is going to affect the people at the bottom and that depend on that water. Then the team strapped on their packs and started the week-long hike. Kilimanjaro is made up of five different biomes, so five different types of environments, and the first one is the rainforest. So it's super humid. And one point that was really funny was that as I was hiking, the guides were like coming up to me like, are you okay? Um, I think your water bladder is leaking. But it wasn't my water bladder. It was actually sweat dripping down my back, (laughs) all over my pants. I was sweating like crazy. So you would hear waterfalls in the background. And because it was sort of getting dark, you would hear um, like monkeys in the trees as well. But you couldn't see them. And I believe at one point, like one crack through the trees, we could see um, the mountain. And we were very excited to see the mountain. It was very majestic and it felt real at that point. And it gave us sort of a boost of energy to continue on. Because Kilimanjaro is on the equator, so sunrise is at 6, sunset is at 6 p.m. 
I guess in my mind, I was expecting it to become nighttime at around eight o'clock. But I was like so excited and tired that the night came upon us and we had to take our headlamps. So some people left their headlamps in their、uh, their duffel bags, which the porters already brought up to our campsite.、And、some people have flashlights. But we were partner up with one buddy. Fortunately, she had a flashlight and、um, she helped guide the rest of the team, which was pretty cool because there was a lot of great. Collaboration and communication going on. Like the people in the front were calling out hazards and roots and rocks and things like that. It was great to work on a team like that to get to our camp. Once we got to camp, you have to sign in at the camp. It was cold and I was like really tired. So only thing I wanted to do was just go in my tent and go to bed. But we had dinner. I was amazed at how wonderful the spread was. We had like about four or five courses of really good food, like fruit we had and bread, and we had like these really good soups, like cucumber soup and peanut soup, and we had like an appetizer and yeah, main course. So we ate well. Every night you have to set up, you know, your sleeping pad, your sleeping bag, and brush your teeth, and you know. Wash a little bit, and I had like this body wipe. So you do that, and you put on your pajamas, and you go to sleep. That slept really good. <laughs> <laughs> so the next morning, when we got up, you know, our porters would lightly tap on our tents and say, you know, Abadi, Jambo, good morning, how are you? It's time to get up and pack up your tent. So after breakfast, you brush your teeth and make sure everything's packed in your bag. And Put it on the outside of your tent, so that the、uh, porters could take it up to our next campsite, and then we started hiking. Unfortunately, the night before, one of our、um, expedition teammates, they were experiencing stomach problems. What they attempted to hike in the morning time, but it was just too much. They couldn't continue on, so we had one less person on the team. So we hiked on.、Uh, it's very rocky, and we just dial in our pace, our pole to pole pace, and stay together as a team. Because of that, someone left. We had to, you know, keep our morale up. So we were like singing like '80s hairband songs and like Journey and things like that. It was steep. Some of the traverses that we had to do. If you look over the side, you would, it would be a huge drop. Really narrow trails, so we had to like focus on that and continue to work as a team. One of our teammates decided to stand in between those really rough traverses and you know help guide people across because it was really scary at some points. It was a tough hike, so it felt good doing a lot of exercise and just enjoying the outdoors. It felt great. So after that first day, we decided to、um, stay together as much as we could, and then at that point, we were like, "Okay, we have to split up the group to get to camp on time." So we split up a group between our faster pace hikers and our slower pace hikers, because if the first group of people got to camp before the last group, they would just put down their packs and then come back to us and then take our packs or take anything that we need for them to carry.
we each had like our sort of adjustment period. Sometimes I would be out of breath and we would have to take our um, Diamox altitude sickness medication. We had to drink plenty of water. Sometimes I didn't feel like eating, but you had to eat so you won't get the worst symptoms of altitude sickness. Some people, you know, were tired. Some people were sick. So we just take it day by day. Like one of our longest hikes took about 12 hours. That was the part we went to the lava tower. And it's like a big rock castle. At that point, I felt really, really tired and out of breath. Like, wow, that was really an experience to get to that high point. But I had to be diligent and drink a lot of water and make sure I'm snacking and eating properly and taking my medication. When we got to our next camp, we noticed that we were above the clouds. You know, you feel like you were in a plane. On certain mornings, you would see the clouds roll over the mountain and you would feel the clouds and get the awesome views. The days pretty much went like that. Notice the different biomes. You would notice like the different changes every day and that the hike kept getting more tough. We had to continue on and then we would continue to help everyone out on their journey and trip and encourage one another. Another thing that stood out was getting to know my guys and porters and cooks about their life in Tanzania and their family and you know why they decided to do this and and most of the guides are like experts and they had experiences all over the world climbing rock climbing and hiking so it was great to get that story and become friends in a sense with my guides and porters Finally, it was summit night. To reach Killy's 19,000-foot peak, the team had to get up at 10 p.m. and hike through the night. In order to make an attempt at the summit at a safe time, you had to get there about 8 a.m., and then you would have to hike straight down. So it would take about six or seven hours to hike to the top, and then another few hours to get to the bottom because the mountain has its own weather system. So you had to get or reach the summit at that time in the morning. If you didn't, then it was very unsafe. You know, I was very scared. And, you know, I just had to, like, focus on the person in front of me because it was really dark and cold and windy. So we had to, like, trust ourselves, trust each other and... Before me, one person fainted. And at one point, one of the water bladder, the nozzle exploded for some reason. And we had to fix that and make sure it didn't leak anymore. And when we stopped, it was like really cold. So at that point, it was really windy. It was probably like maybe 50, 60 miles an hour that night. And this one guy was like getting blown down like he was losing his balance because of the wind and at one point the wind was just sucking the air or oxygen out of my lungs 
I had like a scarf over my face, but I still couldn't breathe. Maybe it was like the altitude in addition to the wind. So I uh, stopped and then took a minute and then continue on. And once I stopped again, I knew that I had to turn around because I was holding up my teammates that wanted to reach the summit and you know went down with one of the guides. Which is scary as well because it was pitch dark and I guess my eyes were kind of blurry because I had my headlamp on high and I still couldn't see anything so I had to hold his hand the whole time. It was pretty scary but we made it back to camp. The people who came back after they made it to the top of the mountain, what were they like? They were happy, but extremely tired. <laughs> um, because once they got back, once they reached the summit, you have to hike back down really quickly. And then once they got to camp a few hours before, they had to rest about two hours. They only had two hours to rest because at that camp, that's where all the um, different roots converge. So you had to hurry up and pack out and hike back down to the final camp in Mecca camp which is about six hours. So they hardly got any sleep. We got to actually see the monkeys on our final leg of the hike towards the end gate. We actually saw them in the trees eating and taking care of their young. It was like awesome experience. My highest point was about 17,000 on summit night. It just felt like a disappointment, but one of our expert guides, Phil, who hiked Everest and Kili before and did all these amazing trips, he told me that the summit is the icing on a cake. It's all about the journey that you had with your friends and said, hey, you know, it's nothing to be ashamed about. You reached your summit and you had all of these experiences. You know, it doesn't matter how of an expert climber you are, you're not gonna make it to the top all the time. And the mountain is its own entity and the mountain determines who's gonna make it to the top. It's up to mother nature, it's not up to you. So it's a very humbling experience. Our storyteller was Tariq Moore. His team made history as the first African-American team to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And he's been busy since then. He recently finished a long bike ride through California's wine country, and his next adventure is Denali. To learn more about Outdoor Afro, visit their website at outdoorafro.com. I'm Erin Jones. Thank you for listening to Human Nature. If you'd like to help us tell more stories, donate at humannaturepodcast.org. This episode was produced by Greg Ronco with help from Micah Schweitzer. It was edited by me, Megan Fury, Anna Rader, and Alex Schaefer. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's Human Nature.